Father, we take uh, for granted, I think, the fact that we can just pray to you. Lord, we don't want to do that. And Lord, we're so thankful that when we pray, you know that you, we know that you hear us. We know that you answer our prayers. Uh, Lord, they may not always be with a, with a yes. They might be with a wait. Uh, might be with a no. But Lord, we pray that we would trust you. So Lord, right now we ask in prayer that you would help us to grow in our love for you and our love for each other as we respond to your word to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I went to one of those um, posh private schools. The people hissing down the front also went to a posh private school, let me add. (laughs) My wife. Um, So look, I used to be a bit embarrassed by that for a while, but not so much these days. I'd I'd rather rub it in people's faces and tell much how much better I am than them. That's what I like to do. Um, That's a joke. It's a joke. It's okay. It's a joke. No, I am, I am, I'm thankful for something that I had no choice in. So I'm thankful for that. Anyway, at this school, I want you to try to picture this image, all right? At this school was the headmaster's office. It's not the principal, it's the headmaster. Anyway, um, so the headmaster's office, and, and this office was the final frontier of discipline. When you arrived here, you knew you, knew you were in strife. Uh, it was where the most severe judgment was handed down. So his office was intimidating in every sense of the word. It was dark. It was enormous. A family of five could live comfortably in here. Uh, His desk looked like the size of a king-size bed. And word is, when he spoke to you from the other side, he would look upon you with... uh, Eyes raised above his reading glasses. That sort of thing. Uh, And he would simply call you by your surname. Thomas, sit. And that was it. But but here's the thing. The headmaster's son, his name was David, he was in my year at school. And he was my friend. And that changed everything. 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 That completely changed the relationship I had with the father. See, I remember the first time I entered the headmaster's office with the son, David. This is how it went down. Ah, David, Graham. Ah, oh, great to have you in here. Come in, come in, come in. Graham, how's your threats going? Oh, good. Great try the other day in rugby. It was really great. How's your mum and dad? They're going well? Oh, excellent. Now, do you guys need a drink? Oh, there's a staff room fridge just over there. Grab yourself a Coke, whatever. Go for it. Uh, make yourself at home. My office is your home. Uh, it was something like that anyway. <laughs> See, being friends with the son, that completely changed the relationship with the father. Completely. Being friends with the son meant I had access to the father. In fact, I could even go to the headmaster's office, knock on the door and talk to the headmaster. He knew me by name. Pretty cool. Access to the, so much so that the father even treated me, well, just like his own son. It's pretty cool. See, friends, that's what it's like for you and I as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, as we befriend the son. Our father in heaven treats us just like his own son. And even more than this headmaster, God even invites us to call him father. 
That would be a bit weird if I called the headmaster dad. <laughs> but, Jesus, but God does invite us to do that. He invites us to call him father. He says, talk to me. I'm listening. He says, relax. This is a great joy. Me and you. That's what he says. Friends, that's the joy of prayer. That we can talk to our father in heaven. Complete access, full access. He's listening and he loves us. He wants to hear from us. Now, I hope over the past eight weeks, you've... um, I hope you've tasted that. I hope you've tried to, re- to pray through the Lord's Prayer. If you haven't done that, give it a go, won't you? Maybe each day have a separate phrase that we've gone through over the last eight weeks and pray through that. Uh, pray through the Lord's Prayer. If you haven't done it, do it for the first time. Try it. Well, we've heard that... Uh, As Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us that we pray when we pray to the one who is in heaven, to the one who is almighty, the all-holy one, the one who is above and beyond the whole of creation and yet holds the whole of creation in the palm of his hand, that's the one we address when we pray. And the extraordinary truth of being a follower of Jesus is that he's taught us that we can call him Father. And it's this truth then that you see governs everything else that follows in the Lord's Prayer. So keep remembering that. And that changes our perspective. Now right at the start of our series, I shared this little illustration with you. And I think I'd like to share it with you again. It's fairly simple. And and we, we, we live in the away from the city, so we know and we see the stars and the planets and they're beautiful. But there was a time when we knew very little about planets and stars and the sun. So before the 16th century, we all thought that the sun revolved around the earth. So perhaps that's typical of humans, isn't it? That everything revolves around us. We're the centre of the universe, so to speak. But in 1530, there was this guy. He was a guy who was Nicholas Copernicus. I told you about him. Now, he discovered something incredible. He discovered that the earth actually revolves around the sun. And so it was a total reversal of perspective. That's what the Lord's Prayer is, as we pray it. Too often you see prayer is about me. It's my, me first, my, my concerns. And in one sense, that's a good and the right thing to ask for God for things in our lives. And we'll get to that. But what ought to shape our asking, what ought to shape our prayers, is God's concerns. So Jesus' teaching on prayer challenges our perspectives our perspective, it puts prayer back in the right order. So it's not me first, it's God first, and not only will that determine my heart, my trust, it will determine what I pray for. So in the first half of the Lord's Prayer, we're, we're asking for God. I guess we could call that, let's just call that the vertical. Okay, We're asking for God, vertical, asking for God. The second half is we ask for ourselves and our relationships with, with others. So I guess we could call that the horizontal. But the order is important. Vertical first and then the horizontal. Okay. Now before we get stuck into our little bit of revision, I guess we could call it. For some of us it will be. Some of us might be first time. That's okay. Uh, Why do we bother though? Have you been asking that question throughout this series? Uh, Why do we bother praying? 
If prayer is about submitting ourselves to God's will, and if he does, if God does not lie or change his mind, as 1 Samuel says, and if he knows what you need before you ask him, as Matthew 6 told us, then what's the point of praying at all? Now, when I was studying um, theology at Bible College a number of years ago, we had to do two things over each summer. Uh, we had to complete masses of pre-course work on Greek and Hebrew. Uh, I always wondered why they called it pre-work. It was very much work and it ruined my summer and I'm still bitter and twisted. Um, but we also had to read through uh, a little book called John Calvin's Institutes. Now, John Calvin's, the book was so big, I, I didn't have the strength to bring it from my office. Um, but it's sort of two volumes like that. But what he talks about, and it's, it's actually really good, but it, it's hard going. He gives six reasons why we should pray, and I really like them. I'm going to read you out a um, John Calvin quote, and then you see if you can work out what it actually means, and then I'll give it to you in English, okay? Here's the first reason why he said we should pray. Dependence. So that our hearts become inflamed with a burning desire to seek, love and serve him and become accustomed in every need to flee to him as to a sacred anchor. You got it? English? Learning to depend on him. We pray so we learn to depend on Jesus. Let's go to the second one. Purity. So that our hearts don't nurture desires and longings of which we should be ashamed to make him a witness. Think about it. In other words, purifying the desires of our hearts. We pray so that our hearts are purified. Gratitude. So that we learn to receive his benefits with true gratitude. Not so hard. Which really means learning contentment with what our Father provides us. Appreciation. So that we... Meditate on his kindness more ardently. Ardently. Not a word I use every day. But anyway, in English, uh, we pray as it leads us to appreciate more, de more deeply his generosity and his faithfulness. That's why we pray. There's one or two more, actually. Enjoyment. I want to focus on this a bit more in a moment. So that we may embrace with greater delight, he writes, the things we receive from praying, namely to enjoy without inhibition the many good things God provides for our happiness. That's why we pray, to give thanks to God. One more. And I think really this is the heart of prayer, isn't it? We trust God. We say, God, I trust you. So that we learn to confirm his providence. It's what Calvin writes. Which means we learn to trust God to provide our daily needs and never to let us down. There's six reasons why we pray. I think they're pretty good. Okay, with all that in mind, I'll leave them up for a minute if you are wanting to um, jot a few of those down. With all that in mind, let's take a few minutes and remembering our little journey on prayer that we've had over these past eight weeks. And just like Jesus' disciples, we're, let's, let's learn from Jesus about how we should pray. So remember, first we're asking for God. So, hallowed be your name was that first phrase. So the first thing a disciple of Jesus ought to ask, uh, oops, sorry, I'll get that back for a minute, um, ought to ask of God is that his name is hallowed or made holy. So what we're doing when we pray this for God, we're asking that his, we're, ask, we're acknowledging his purity, we're praying for God's reputation, for God to be known, for God to be honoured, 
for God to be set apart, I guess, for all that he is, that's what his name refers to. It's all that God is. So it's not referring to a particular combination of Hebrew letters. Don't get caught up in all that. But all that he is, his glory, and we got a taste of that in the Exodus reading, didn't we? A taste of God's glory. All that he is, his grace, his sovereignty, the redeeming, saving father. Jesus teaches us to enjoy God for who he is. When we pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How about your kingdom come? So after praying for God's reputation, that's what we've done, we pray for God to rule your kingdom come, that all will submit to our heavenly Father's rule. Now the problem is we like to rule. <laughs> we like to be in charge, don't we? In control, running life our own way. So it's a big prayer. It's a big prayer, hard prayer. I wonder sometimes that the biggest impediment to driverless cars is not the technology, but the fact that we humans don't like giving up control. I don't want a driverless car. I want to be in control of that thing. I think it's the same with God. We like to call the shots. We like to say, I am king. And that's that little ad in the corner there. It's a great ad a few years ago. I played it for you at the start of the series. I am king. I dance to the beat of my own drum. Such a good line because it's true. It's one of the things that makes this prayer hard, you see, when we're serious about it. When Jesus taught his uh, disciples to pray, he gave us a very different focus. When we pray, your kingdom come, we pray that we dance to the beat of God's drum. That's what we pray. And so in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to enjoy our Father as King. And what are we? Well, I guess we could say we're his loyal subjects, his loyal citizens. That's a better word. Now, to ask God to rule, well, we're asking for everything to come under his control. That means ourselves, to do things his way, not ours. That means our families, that our homes are being places where God's rule is lived by and where we serve each other. Uh, in our churches as well. We're asking God to conform our lives and relationships to the gospel. Where, say, uh, example, gossip, gossip and speculation have no place. We're asking for our community, that it would be a community where strangers become neighbours, where the poor are protected, where the weak are defended, where things flourish for the glory of God. And we pray your kingdom come for our nation, that truth and sacrifice and justice would always prevail over selfishness and greed. And we're praying for evangelism too. If you're a Christian person, we're praying that we share the gospel with others that people would come into his kingdom, of which we are citizens, as we follow God's king, Jesus. And friends, as we exhibit the values of heaven, we attract unbelievers to join us in trust and obedience to our heavenly king. And when we pray your kingdom come, we pray for Jesus to return as king to make all things right. And we pray your kingdom come. We're actually praying for God to return, to Jesus to return as judge. And that's further motivation, isn't it? for us to share the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay, we also pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus taught us to pray that our Father's will and not mine will be done. That is, not for my ambitions or my agenda to be the subject of our prayers, but God's. 
we saw praying your will be done is, a, is, is, is asking to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. We saw that in Romans 8. So what is that? Self-sacrificial service, uh, holiness, contentedness, to name a few. Therefore, we pray your kingdom come, uh, to pray your kingdom come, oh, sorry, to pray your will be done, I should say, we learn will mean asking God for wisdom in decision-making. We want to be more like Jesus. We need some wisdom in this decision-making. We looked at Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 3, and that gave us three very good rules. Uh, that's, a, that's your kingdom come. We're looking at that now. Sorry about that. Um, three very good rules for, for decision-making as Christian people. Uh, one, we store up God's commands. So that means we know our Bibles well. That's going to help with the decision-making, making us wise. Uh, we turn our ears to wisdom, Proverbs 2 says. In other words, we listen to sound advice. We take on good advice. And the third one was uh, we call out for understanding. We pray to God for wisdom. Now, no particular order there, but there are three things that we ought to do. And as we do that, we make good decisions. We let God, God's will be done in our lives uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, God is our sovereign guide. So, so relax. <laughs> relax. You're in your heavenly Father's care. Trust him. That's what the Lord's Prayer is saying. So here's what we've done so far. We've said God's first. That's the priority, the vertical. Over the horizontal. But that doesn't mean the horizontal has no place. It is, however, a secondary place because the vertical shapes the horizontal. God invites us to pray to him, to cast all our anxieties on him. So next, Jesus says we ought to ask God for our daily provision, our daily pardon, our daily protection. These prayers express our humble reliance on our Father. So let's, let's think about this second half, and uh, some of this, of course, will be our little revision for us. But these, you see, these are not requests just for me as an individual. We see in verses 11 to 13, it's plural, isn't it? So this is what we pray for ourselves. This is what we pray for our church. So when you pray this this week, do that, won't you? You might even mention a few people's name that you know. Pray for your church in this way. This is a prayer for the people of God. So give us each day our daily bread. So note we're only asking for what we need. It's our daily ongoing dependence as our Father in heaven. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, we find joy in our Father's provision. Just think about that for a moment. So he's the one who provides everything. He provides us with work, provides us with an income, the ability to grow food. All that is a gift from God. But again, remember, we, we find this hard to pray because we believe the bread will be there anyway. We'll just whip up to the, up the road and we'll get some more. This prayer asks us to believe of the most basic essentials of life, Basic food, water, air, if you like, that if God doesn't give it to us, we won't have it. That's what we're praying. That's the dependence bit. And Jesus is teaching us that our true needs are few. Jesus did not tell us to pray for duck a l'orange. <laughs> Just basic necessity. Just the bread. It's a prayer about our desires, isn't it? What really satisfies you? Come on, what really, what really brings you joy? Is it just bread? Or do you need the extras on top? Do you need the luxury, the comforts, 
the treasures. It's a prayer about contentment and not craving what God has not promised to give. But sometimes, and possibly much more often, out of the abundance of his grace, he gives us more than we need. Our response to such occasions must be thankfulness and generosity. When God gives you lots, and he does, thankfulness and generosity. All right. Next, we ask God to forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. So Jesus teaches us to remember who we are and what we need before our holy God. We need forgiveness. We're sinful people, we need forgiveness. We need his mercy and grace. And the promise of God is that by the cross of Jesus, we have just that. So such forgiveness ought to then spur us on to forgive others. Now, it's not a condition of our salvation. That would misread completely Jesus' teaching in the Bible. But instead, it's an assertion. We, we forgive because the Lord forgave us. In fact, it's one of the strongest proofs that we have received forgiveness from our Father is our commitment to be ready to forgive others and not hold grudges. For the forgiven, forgive. Is there someone you need to forgive? Someone who's done you wrong. Pray for reconciliation. Pray for restoration. Work towards it. Might mean some difficult conversations, mightn't it? And pray for a heart like God's. Forgiveness like his. Remember, there ought to be a family resemblance. If you were here that day, I showed you a picture of my brother's. And I made the joke that there's actually no family resemblance hardly at all. Um, they're tall and thin, and I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I believe... That, I won't go into all that. I'm still their brother. Um, but remember, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's in, from Colossians 3, and it's talking about Jesus' forgiveness on the cross. That's how we forgive. We forgive as the Lord forgave us. Well, finally, we ask God our Father for his daily protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, last week, Michael found an ad, um, a Magnum ice cream ad, spruiking the temptation or the tempting tastes of their ice creams. To be honest, it, it did nothing for me. I don't really like ice cream that much. It, but I'll show you what does do something for me. I found a very similar ad with a Jaguar car. <laughs> that does something for me. But again, you see, this ad, it preyed upon our human weakness to be tempted. That's how it works, this advertising. So just like the ice cream ad, after listing... This is a, not written here, actually. I couldn't find the whole ad. It was a bit frustrating. But after listing, again, the seven deadly sins, so to speak, of lust and greed and pride, blah, 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 uh, the, the, the brochure then read this. It said, it said uh, prepare to shift effortlessly from temptation to exhilaration. Yeah, it's still going. Uh, the all-new XJ8L, where will it lead you? Can you resist? Wow, there you go. I, um, when we were overseas once, I went to order a... Um, I, we hired a car, and the car that I was told I was getting was um, like a... We had a family of five in the UK, right? Really silly. And uh, this has got nothing to do with the sermon, but I should have shared it anyway. Um, <laughs> So I turned up at the car yard, or the, the you know, budget car yard, what it's called, the budget rental, and I was expecting to get a, a, a similar to an old Ford Escort. So if you've seen them around, a UK sort of car. They're small, right? It would have been a real tight fit. Um, anyway, he says to me, oh, look, sorry, we have no Ford Escorts. Um, I looked around the yard. Okay. 
And all I could see was beautiful, brand new Jags. And he said, I hope you don't mind, but all we've got for you is a Jag. <laughs> I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> so for the next, well, it was about six weeks, we drove around in this pretty nice Jag. Um, it was pretty cool. So, um, yeah. This sort of advertising, it plays on this temptation. That, it plays on the idea that temptation is good and it's, and it's hard to resist. And too often when it comes to our temptations, well, we feel powerless to resist, don't we? Uh, whether it's sports cars, I guess that might, maybe it's greed, I don't know. Uh, dishonesty. Uh, looking at something on the internet that we're not meant to. It, it, we feel powerless to resist. It's really hard. That's why we ought to pray this prayer. We ask God for help. We are, it's a prayer of protection, isn't it? And the good news is that the Bible teaches that when we're tempted, God always provides a way of escape every single time. And, and James says that those trials of temptation can make us stronger as we, will make us stronger as we resist. So as we pray the Lord's Prayer, knowing our Father in heaven loves us like his own son, I want you to know the joy, know the joy of trusting God, our victorious deliverer. Well, this then is uh, how disciples, learners of the Lord Jesus, should pray. And it comes with uh, joy. With trust. We pray to a welcoming sovereign God who says, Come in, relax, call me Father. Friends, when we pray this prayer, we're actually swimming against the cultural tide, aren't we? In a culture that's increasingly anti God, anti Jesus, we pray for God to be known and to rule. In a culture where normal behaviour is self-promotion, well, we pray for God's promotion. We pray for God's agenda, not ours. And in a culture that promotes comfort, independence and luxury, disciples of Jesus pray for our daily bread. In a culture that's con convinced of its own goodness and righteousness, well, we, we ask God for forgiveness. In a culture that celebrates giving in to temptations, like the ice creams or the jags, we ask God to lead us away. And so we, we come to these words. These words, which are most likely not the words of Jesus that we say uh, in the Anglican tradition, we say it in our services when we say the Lord's Prayer, and it's added in various church traditions. But friends, I reckon this is why we pray, isn't it? This is why we pray. We believe our Father will answer us. We say to our Father in heaven, for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. That's why we pray. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you that because of your son, Jesus, we can enter into your presence, we can have direct access, we can talk to you, we can be in a relationship with you. 
we can call you Father. And Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for that. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us. We ask, Lord, that we would know your promises and trust you and depend on you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a church that prays, that prays for each other and a church that loves you and loves each other. Uh, Lord, there's so much to think about and pray and, and, uh, and we, uh, we just thank you right now that because of Jesus we, we can be friends with you, that we can pray to you and that we can know and we can love you. Lord, help us find great joy in that. In Jesus' name, amen.